Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. I wanted to start by telling you that there are, <coughs> there are two different kind of people in this world. There are rule followers, and there are rule breakers. How many rule breakers I got in the room? Are you, you're a rule breaker. Like if there's a rule, you want, how many, how many of you are rule followers? Raise your hand if you're a rule follower. Okay, we got a lot of rule followers here. I tend, can you guess? I'm a breaker. I'm a rule breaker. If, if I am, if it says, like we'll, we'll be out at some kind of national park or something, and if it says do not climb on the rocks, doggone it, I wasn't even thinking about climbing on the rocks, now I have to, you know? Um, I, a friend of mine and I were in Chicago, and we, I'm not telling this whole story, but we, uh, we were walking on Waveland Avenue, and there was a, a construction worker who walked into Wrigley Field. Um, it was like middle of the winter, and he opened up this sort of side entrance door, walked in, pulled it behind him, but it didn't actually latch. And so it was kind of swinging wide open. And I was there with a friend, and I'm a rule breaker. He's a rule follower. And I said, you know we have to go in there, right? He was like, no. The rest of that story is a fun one. Um, suffice it to say, ended up I am banned from Wrigley Field for life. And I almost got arrested. So that's a different story for another day. But it's because I'm a rule breaker. I love I, I, it, there is just something deep inside of me that says, if you tell me not to do it, I must. My wife, on the other hand, is the opposite. She is a rule follower. She loves, you know what she, you know, she loves Disney. She loves to be at Disney World because for her, it's like the world is full of people who don't follow the rules, but at Disney World, everything is like, is there's a rule, there's a plan, there's a, you have to stand in this line, you have to get this fast pass, and there are all of these rules, and she knows how to deal with the rules, and she loves it. She loves rules. I don't know why God always puts people like, that are opposite together like that, but he does. She's a rule follower. But here's the truth. The reality is most people, even when we're rule breakers, we actually really like rules. Most people like any parent will let will tell you that kids, even though they think they hate rules, deep down inside, kids are desperate for rules. You put a kid in a house that has no rules, that kid is gonna feel like there's there's no boundaries. Rules actually make kids feel safe, right? People, the truth is deep down inside, and it's not just kids, you and I, we actually, even though we feel like we don't like rules, the truth is we all want to know the rules. I hear this all the time. Is, um, is it a sin to dot, 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 fill in the blank? Somebody, you're a pastor, Eric. Okay. Is it a sin if I fill in the blank? Doesn't matter what it is, because the, rea the reality is people want to know what are the rules? What are the guidelines for my life? And, I, and the, the, the problem is that 
church can become a place that's all about rules. Because church is full, filled with people, and people like the idea of rules. Uh, but, but here's the thing. All the way throughout history, there have been people who cared about rules, who made up rules, but there may have never been another group of people in history who, had ta- who have taken it to another level like the Pharisees did, the, the, the religious leaders at the time of Jesus. These guys, I mean, we talk about them like, and they are. They're kind of the bad guy. They're kind of the antagonist of the Gospels, right? It's the, and, and the truth is, they obviously deserve it because Jesus was super mean to them. You realize that? Have you ever read the Gospels and been like, dude, Jesus was kind of a jerk sometimes. Not bad, but like, just like, in your face. You know? He would, like, he actually called them names. He didn't, he didn't call anybody a name. He called these people names. And I know it doesn't feel like he's calling them names, but when he called them hypocrites, that was like a huge insult. When he called them a brood of vipers, I know that's kind of super old school, but it doesn't feel like it. But it was like your mama. It was like a, it was a bad, like they were saying, he was saying terrible things to this group of people. And so we have this idea, probably rightly so, that these guys are like the bad guy. But here's the truth. The reality is these guys had this desire. They believed that the way that they would relate to God was through the law that Moses had given them. The Ten Commandments and all the law, you know, all that old stuff that you read through when you read through the Bible in Leviticus that talks about you can't have a tattoo and you can't, you know, and you have to kill this animal and sacrifice it for this reason and all that other stuff. They, they believed, they knew that that was the way that they were going to relate to God. And because of that, they took it unbelievably seriously. Like, to a, a whole other level, to the, to the point that it was their entire life was built around the keeping of the rules, the keeping of the law. And it was so important to them. And that's how it started, but then it became something even, e- even worse. What it, what it became was it became a thing that allowed them to control other people. That you do the rules the way that we want you to do them. They, they were, it, it was almost a theocracy. We won't get into all of that, but the, the truth is they had a lot of power at the time. And, um, and the power was resting in the hands of people who loved rules. And I'd like to suggest today that in all of us in this room, There is a deep love for the law that runs absolutely counter to the teachings of Jesus. And so I, I'm, I'm gonna, I hope to, co- to convince you of that um, today. Um, but in, into this world where the Pharisees love the law steps Jesus, and he keeps breaking their law. He keeps doing stuff that they think is terrible. But they're, they're, they're torn. Because he teaches, and they're like, oh my goodness, this guy teaches like he has authority. He's the real deal. And then he goes and and heals on the Sabbath, which is totally against our law. And then he goes and he allows his his disciples to eat without washing their hands, ceremonially washing their hands. What's wrong with you? 
And so they don't really know how to take Jesus. What is his relationship to the law? Does he, is he anti-law? And that would be a real problem for these Pharisees. Well, one day, Jesus pulls some people aside, and he goes up on a mountaintop, and he gives a little sermon. And part of his, his sermon starts um, with this. He's like, I, I know there's a lot of talk out there about what I think about the law. And so here's what he says. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teacher of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Holy smokes. People, you had to realize at this time, if you were sitting there and you were one of Jesus' followers, you knew who the Pharisees were. You knew they gave their entire lives to following the law. And Jesus is like, unless you're even better than that, you don't get in. Like, what the heck? It's, it's clear. I, uh, before we dig a little deeper into that, the first thing he's trying to do is to make it clear that Jesus is not anti-law. He says, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. He actually seems kind of uber pro-law. You know what I mean? It's like he's on the side of the law. That's what it feels like when he first starts talking. It's not just enough to obey the rules that you've got. Because then he goes on in his sermon. After he says this, you got to be even better than the teachers of the law. And then he's going to tell you what that means. He says, you've heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anybody who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. That makes sense to all of us. Everybody's like, yeah, I, I've heard it said that. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And he goes on, you've heard it was said eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an even evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you take, take, and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. It is, it's this unbelievable teaching that Jesus is giving, this idea that you, if you want to be good, you don't even know what good is. There's a whole different level of good. You think the Pharisees are like the top-notch guys. They aren't even, they aren't even close. If you want to be good, it's not enough to just keep the Ten Commandments. Now you can never get angry. It's not enough to keep the Ten Commandments. Now you can never let your eyes linger on the opposite gender. What? Clearly, I've never done that. Um, but you, it's not enough to just follow the rules that you got. Now you've got you to be a doormat. You've got to let anybody run all over you. If they slap you, let them slap the other cheek. It seems ridiculous. There's absolutely no way. And the truth is, this teaching that Jesus is, is starting is brilliant. Not, not shockingly. It is Jesus, after all. But it's brilliant. Because Jesus right here 
is making sure that everybody who's listening knows that the law is impossible to live by. I mean, these Pharisees give their entire lives for it. It's impossible to keep all of the rules. This whole sermon, it wasn't about how much Jesus wanted to create a bunch of better people, like, like, like even more righteous Pharisees. That's not what this sermon is. I thought that's what it was. When I, when I was younger and I first read it, I was like, oh my goodness. Jesus is like taking the rules up like two notches. This is going to be tough. I better really buckle down and, and work hard at being good, right? But the truth is, that's not what Jesus is doing here at all. This wasn't about creating more righteous people. It was about showing people how ridiculous, this sermon was about showing people how ridiculous it was to think that they could try and be good enough to earn God's love. That's the whole point of this sermon. Even the Pharisees aren't good enough to do it. That's his sermon. Even they aren't. And if you wanted to do it, it's not just good enough to not murder people. You can't be angry with them. You can't look lustfully. You have to give yourself over to whoever needs something from you. If you are, if you're going to be good, the bar is so high, it's impossible. And that's the first point that Jesus is making. Rules are good. I haven't come to abolish the law. Rules are good, but they are impossible to keep. Everybody screws up. Everybody. And here's the thing. Even if you walk into this place and you don't know if you buy into the sort of the biblical understanding of what's right and wrong and all the other things like that, everybody's got a code that they live by, right? An, an idea of what's right and wrong. An idea of what they think they should do. And here's the thing. Even our co the code that we have, even if it wasn't given to us, even if it's something we created ourselves, the reality is we break it on a regular basis. Everybody screws up. The, the Apostle Paul wrote it simply, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody screws up. And the question isn't, are you a good enough person? That's, the, that's what Jesus is trying to teach against. Who's the good person? Are the Pharisees good? Is this prostitute good? Is she bad? Are there good people? Are there bad? The reality is, and you've probably heard me say this before, there are no good people and there are no bad people. We think the, the reality is we think we're good and everybody who's against us is bad. It's, the, the re, it, it's a political thing too. Whoever I agree with is the, are, are the good guys and whoever disagrees with me are the bad guys. But the reality is nobody is all good. Nobody is all bad. We all got a little good in us. We all got a little bad in us. That ain't rocket science. We all know that that's true. But the problem is we compare ourselves to each other all the time. And so Jesus is saying rules are good for understanding how to live a joy-filled life. But they are terrible at making you right with God. You know, there's this thing in us that makes us think that we can give people guidelines, rules to follow so that they will 
know Jesus, love Jesus, follow Jesus. And we think that rules are going to get us there. Church did that for a very, very long time. We, it, it feels counterintuitive because we believe that rules are going to help people make good choices. That the harder we are on people, the more explicit we are about the rules, the easier it will be for people to follow. We want people to live godly lives. Well, here's all the ways that you live godly lives. Here's a list of rules. I'm going to give you a bunch of sermons on all of the sins that you're not supposed to do. And you walk away feeling guilty. And does it change anything? Rarely. The law. And Paul writes about this in the book of Romans over and over and over again. The law. Though it, there's some really good things in it. The law was not enough. It never actually led to people who were, who were right with God. And so... Jesus sets the whole thing up. And um, I, I got to be honest, I, I, grew up thinking, I grew up thinking that this sermon was all about working harder. You know, you think you shouldn't murder? Don't be angry. Man, I got to work on not being angry. That's the point of the sermon. You think it's, uh, I, man, I got to work. I got to be really careful about, you know, where my eyes wander. Got to be really careful about that. That's what the sermon, Jesus is mad at people who get angry. That's not the sermon. The sermon is everybody gets angry. Everybody screws up. It is impossible to keep the law. And you might be thinking this. Listen, I know this stuff. I've heard this a million times. I grew up listening to sermons. I know that I can't earn my way to, to heaven. Um. Maybe you can just kind of wrap this up, Eric. We can go to lunch. Uh, but the, the truth is, I believe that there is a subtle legalism that lives in all of us. Legalism is just the, the part of us, and there's, it's a big scale, but the part of us that is attracted to the rules of our spiritual life. And that if I could just live by the rules... Everything will be better in my spiritual life. There is some of that in every single one of us. And if you grew up in church, honestly, whether you grew up in ch church or didn't, but if you did grow up in church, um, I can almost guarantee there is a bunch of legalism swirling around in that worldview of yours. Um, here's how it comes out. On one side of the, of the spectrum of legalism, you have what we think about. You have the Pharisees. You have the man. I should feel really proud of myself. I, I look at my life, and I'm actually pretty good. You know? Like I made good choices. I, I look around, and I see a bunch of people who are screwed up. And, uh, you know, I love them or whatever, but they're screwed up, and I've kind of got it together. I've made the right I am doing well. That's a form of legalism. It's, listen, I'm doing better than other people. Um, here's, a, here's a more subtle one, a little subtler, but uh, it, it, it actually is in the back of a lot of our brains. I know that I can't earn my way to heaven, but the better person that I am, 
the more God will love me. The more God will be proud of me. Listen, if I work hard at, you know, at not being angry with my kids, if I work really hard at being, um, at being a, a calm person at work, at being a kind person, if I work really hard at doing all of the things, at not doing all the things I'm not supposed to be doing, if I work really hard at it and I get to become a better person, God will think better of me. God will love me more. There is a lot of that in us. And the root of that is legalism because we think the rules are what God really cares about. But on the other side of legalism is the opposite feeling. I don't know if you ever have this go through your mind, but um, do, you have the, do you have the voice in the back of your head ever that says, who do you think you are? Look at what a screw-up you are. Look at, I mean, you, how dare you? How dare you come to church and pretend to be a Christian when you know when you're at home, you're, a, you're awful to your spouse. You yell at your kids. How dare you? How dare you come to church and raise your hands in worship when you know you struggle with pornography? How dare you? Anybody have that little voice in the back of their head? And it feels like this thing. And, you know, those of us who grew up in the church, it's not anybody's fault. It's not the church I grew up in. It's not their fault. But there's something deep inside me that says there is that, that I, am, I am worth less when I screw up. And the voice plays over and over. Who do you think you are? Getting up and preaching a sermon. I know what you thought the other day. Who do you think you are? The truth is we don't, we don't normally think that that is legalism, but the root, the root of those feelings is that we believe that the rules, the law matters so much. We all have a little legalism in us. E either the side that is prideful, that's pharisaical, that, that compares ourselves and judges other people. There's some of that in us. There's somebody in here who needs to be honest with themselves. I got a little judgment in me. I do. Okay, I'm going to confess. There's somebody who lives on my block that I judge. And I, I know that I shouldn't. I'm, I honestly, this is me being super real, I'm working on it. Because there's, uh, there's just something in me that feels like, um, I don't even know how to describe it. I wasn't planning on saying anything about it. But when it came up, I, I, I just, I don't exactly know how to describe it other than, I, I don't think, oh man, this is going to sound terrible. I don't think they're worth my time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I think, I think poorly of them. They've, and of course, they've done things, and there's, and it's not terrible. It's not like we have this awful neighbor, but I just, I know that I think less of them. That I think higher of myself than I do of them. That's legalism. I'm following the rules. They're not. I'm making good choices. They're not. I feel better about myself than them. 
I can live over here. And I can live over here feeling like I'm a jerk. And just thinking that as we did it and it came to my brain, I felt that little voice say, who do you think you are? You're preaching a sermon about this and you're screwing it up right as you're preaching it. We all have some legalism in us. And the only antidote to legalism is the gospel. The only antidote to legalism is is understanding the gospel that Jesus came and died. It was not about the rules that he came and he died for our sake. Put himself up on that cross for our sake to pay the price for our sins because we could never be good enough. And that's what he was teaching this early in his ministry because he knew three years later he was going to go to the cross and he was going to die. And he was setting it all up to say, you think you can earn your way to heaven, but you can't. And he went to the cross. And as I'm saying that, a bunch of you just turned out, tuned out. And you know why? Because you've heard it a million times. Because the gospel just seems like something that you've heard a bajillion times. Yes, okay, I know, Jesus, he went to the cross. He died for us and... Um, But i got to be honest, I think sometimes the gospel, though you come to church and we talk about it, we try to talk about it every single week. I think we do a pretty good job. But we we talk about it and we talk about it, but sometimes it just goes in one ear and out the other. But I believe that as long as we have legalism swirling around in our heads, we don't really understand the gospel. As long as we've got either the pride kind of legalism or the I'm terrible kind of legalism swirling around in our brains, it's a signal that we don't fully understand the gospel. Oh, sure, maybe we can quote it. But knowing the gospel doesn't mean we understand the gospel. You know, I've heard people say, uh, you know, I come to church, and i got to be honest, years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I'd have said the same thing. Um, I come to church, and it's like the same thing over and over again. Like, every message ends in the gospel. What's the deal with that? And I, people ask me that. Why does every message end in the gospel? And, and some of them will end that question with, can't we go deeper? Right? every message is the gospel. Can't we go deeper? And what they really mean is, hey, I want to I hear something new. I want to hear something different. I want to get some kind of head knowledge. Maybe we go back to the Old Testament. And I love studying the Old Testament. But the truth is, that question in and of itself, can't we go deeper than the gospel, it shows a complete lack of actual understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. There is nothing deeper. Nothing that you can study in the Bible is deeper than the cross, than the gospel. It doesn't get deeper. Oh, sure, you can study the Old Testament. You can study how it, how it connects to Jesus. Oh, you can study uh, the eschatology of, of Revelation. You can study the entire Bible. But every single thing in it points to the cross. And there is nothing deeper because when, when you dig down through the Old Testament, you know where you end up? The gospel. When you dig down through the book of, of uh, Revelation, you know where you end up? The gospel, there is nothing deeper 
than the gospel. Everything that we study should point to the cross. And so here Jesus is doing his absolute best to a bunch of people who are either rule followers or rule breakers, but he knew that deep down we've all got this legalistic thing inside of us. Either we're a little prideful or we let the legalism speak in the back of our heads that we are nothing. And he says there is no possible way for the gospel to cohabitate with legalism. The gospel is the antithesis of legalism. And so if we live with a bunch of voices in our head that love the rules, we're going to struggle to understand the gospel. And you may say, I've heard it a thousand times. But the truth is, until you, until you understand, until it goes from here to here, where we really grasp what it means that there is nothing I can do that will make Jesus love me more. If I become a better person next year, Jesus won't love me one bit more than he does right now. If I leave my wife, ignore my children, run off, Jesus will not love me one bit less than he does right now. How we act, the, how we keep the rules is not a measure of Jesus' love for us. It's not about how proud he is of us. There's nothing I can do. That is the gospel. That's the depth of the gospel. And so when, this, when the voice speaks in the back of your head, you're not good enough. Jesus says, his, his friends ask, how many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus says, 70 times, seven times. And that just means forever. Why? Because that's the character of God. You come to him any time. I don't care how many times you've asked forgiveness for that one sin. I don't care how many times you screwed that thing up. Every single time he forgives. Why? Because it's not about rules. It's never been about rules. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.